listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 53 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. everyone, and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Lathan Conger III. Uh, so yeah, uh, Lathan, what'd you watch? I watched Next to Nothing because uh, I had to deal with uh, Adobe Premiere uh, being a, well, I won't say what it was probably not appropriate for this show uh but it took <laughs> we, we, we have we have an appropriate level for this show <laughs> okay adobe, adobe premiere is a cunt okay i mean it's just oh. it's just a, and it's, <laughs> well the company is a joke and their product is full of glitches and they eventually fixed it so we could upload the second part of my mini series but it took six days with our podcast last week being in the middle of it and you know, it took Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday early morning it finally was done. I, I didn't really watch anything, so okay. after next week, I'll be free and clear and be watching a ton of stuff. Fair enough, uh, Hassan. Uh, I finished the the strike TV show I was telling you about last week. Yep, the, the um, which it was it it's good, it's good stuff. Um, between strike and um, and Luther, man, and I know this is bullshit because of uh, because I I know people who live in London, and, um, and and actually a couple of commentaries have said something. It's like this is all just fantasy. London's really not this bad, <laughs> you know, where they have these like really gruesome crimes. Like if you watch Luther, it's it's literally literally like the X Files. Like they're finding bodies all over London, and it's it's just really bad. And supposedly. It's not, you know, they're they're playing that up for the for the sake of the audience. Um, it's not how I found London, but I was in a, in a <laughs> I was in a very small area, so yeah, me neither. But I was only there very briefly, and it seemed it seemed pretty tame to me. Um, the food's terrible, though. But um, you oh, know, that's, that's, no, it is what not. it is. Yeah, it is. You didn't eat at the right places. Have you eaten in France? <laughs> no, it's I've terrible never been to compared to France. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, never mind. I don't like the food. <laughs> I watched the I watched three episodes of the, the Expanse, uh, which is which are fantastic. And then, prior to that, I had to watch the last uh, about five episodes of uh, of season four. So mm. I then I watched the first three episodes of season five, which were great. And they, of course, of course, the third episode ends on a fucking cliffhanger, which now you gotta wait all till next week and, and stupid bastards and whatever. Uh, watched the Mandalorian. Um, oh, I'm which sorry. Is, that the Mandalorian I did watch. That's that's the best episode of the Mandalorian, hands down. And 
Yeah, it was really good. And uh, it was, <laughs> I'm waiting to, it's, it's over tomorrow. So, you know, for the season's yeah. over tomorrow. So I'm just waiting to see how they put, they wrap it all together. Uh, I watched it. Uh, I said it was like Raiders of the Lost Mandalorian. It was, they had a fantastic chase scene and uh, just every, everything that happened on it was relevant and great. So, good. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was, it's been, it's been really good this year. And people are already complaining about it because of this and that, and because of, you know, narratively, you know, this and that, some months of the week kind of thing. So, I cry babies. Watch Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, which, uh, um, next episode's in about 25 minutes. So that'll be cool. Then I watched Luther season five Mm. again. Okay. Which is, uh, fantastic. And I think that's it. There's always a couple of movies that are in seen, there. I think I've only seen through th- season three of Luther. Maybe season two. Yeah, season uh, four is not that great. I think season it maybe four is okay. Maybe it's season three I've seen through. Yeah. Um, season five is really kind of back to form. Season four is good, but it just kind of... And it's almost like, why'd you even bother? Because it's only two episodes. Right. And you're like, all right, um, I don't know what this is. Um <laughs> It's good. It, they're two good episodes, but you're like, this is the, you know, this, is this a season or is this like a, you know, just put it together and make it a movie and right. you know, stop, you know, like, whatever, whatever. Um, but season five is kind of back to form. It's kind of, it's it's bad shit, um, which is really great. Uh, that was about it. I watch a lot of uh, the news. I watch a lot of news because of all this crazy stuff that's going on now, and I watch Ugh. a lot of YouTube. You know, so I I don't really watch a lot of shows and movies. Um, I go to YouTube when I need to find something specific, but other than that, I I generally I because I because uh, like what happens is like like what I uh, what I what I told you, you know, when I found those Kenobi trailers, those fake Kenobi trailers. Yeah, I just start. You know, I mean, I it, it's worse getting caught up in the feed of Facebook videos because like I'll just click on the Facebook video channel and i just it just scrolls up and it's all stuff that clearly i have at least passing interest in because it's pulling from my you know yeah for your algorithm for my worldview so uh you know it's all stuff that kind of hooks me anyway anyway i watch also watch the um the 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 game awards um forgot exactly what they call it but there's the the gaming awards came the video game awards came on last Thursday, I think. Imagine that was that thrilling. Was the, I don't know, a couple of games I liked won big awards. So the Last yeah. of Us Part Two swept. So that was that was pretty awesome. And that was that was it. That was mainly, and that's when I watch YouTube for that stuff. YouTube usually streams that kind of stuff. I also watch. Right. There's a lot of authors who do personal live streams of when they're when they're writing, which is kind of fascinating. <laughs> you know, little things like that. You were like what, like a. a- video of them typing well like uh patrick rothfuss does like these kind of really weird quirky things where he's in the midst of like formulating what he's you know how he's gonna form finish the, the his next book but he's also like doing commentary on like the technique that he's using to to figure these things out and he, he does a he does a live stream on it couple other things you know there's there's a lot of political stuff that i watch you know that's that kind of stuff is i'm kind of obsessive about it so that, that's what i use but youtube can take up a lot of your time 
Oh yeah. You know, that's I, <laughs> I, I try to stay away because my, I get, I get hooked in, I get sucked into, um, I usually end up getting sucked into music documentary stuff. And there's a shit ton of them on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> like, like old, like an old and like old, like stuff you can't find anywhere else. Like, like, like old documentaries from like the seventies and eighties that they did for, you know, MTV or VH1 or, mm-hmm. you know, they've just never been compiled anywhere else. And just a lot of that stuff still exists. It's just, it, it just only exists there. Um, yeah. It's actually somebody, uh, there's a, a guy who directed a, uh, a horror film that I really, really liked from a few years ago that I follow on Twitter. And uh, he posted something this morning about the fact that Monty Markham had sent him a Christmas card. And I was just like, if you don't know who Monty Markham is, uh, he's an actor from the 70s and 80s. But uh, he's a guy who, if you see him, you'll instantly recognize him because he was on. He's one of those guys who was like literally on every single TV show in the 70s and 80s at some point or another, you know, as a a character of the week, whatever. And um, there was a made for TV version of Death Takes a Holiday uh, in the 70s. And he played death in it. And uh, I always remember that, and I can't find it anywhere. I, I've I've looked high and low, YouTube, nothing. Nobody's got it, and I just I can't find it anywhere. So, this is a movie. Movie Death Takes. Yeah, a there's a movie from 1934 called Death Takes a Holiday, and it's been remade a couple of times. And it's it's the same it's the same concept as Meet Joe Black. Meet Joe Black is a remake mm-hmm. of Death Takes a Holiday. But anyway, there's this version, a TV movie from the 70s, and Monty Markham plays death in it. And I just, I've always wanted to track it down again and see it because I, I barely remember it. But I remember, I remember watching it. And I remember him being death. And I've never seen the original. I've never sat and watched the, the 1934 version. It's like Heaven Can Wait, and, and here comes Mr. Jordan. Okay. But anyway. See if I can, I probably... If you can't find it, I I won't be able to find it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I checked all the somehow. I checked all the usual places for it just to see if man. I th- I even checked like on Amazon on like really nice high end editions of the Blu rays and stuff because sometimes like like there was a when they put the when they put the laser disc out of Heaven Can Wait, they actually put the nineteen whatever it was fifty one original of Here Comes Mr Jordan as uh, as a feature on the disc because you know because people didn't know that that heaven can wait was a remake yeah yeah it's like gladiator i wish they would have put the original on uh on the on the blu-ray but yeah i mean there's so many of those fascinating film fascinating Mm -hmm. film um but uh (laughs) all right have you seen it have you seen the original no of um yeah, the Fall of the Roman Empire. It's a it's a remake. Oh of no, a, no, a I movie called The Fall of the Roman Empire, and the sequence where um where the Maximus character, who is named Livius in the in the film, he's he's uh, negotiating with the Germans that he just beat, which is the scene in in the original Gladiator, but that's about as far as it got. And um, on my the mark, Germans unleash hell, <laughs> unleash hell. The Germans are so cartoonishly depicted. <laughs> um, not, not, not insultingly, 
but they all have blonde hair and blue eyes. Like they're all like starkly Aryan. Like they're yeah. And all of them looking with the with the you know blonde beards and whatever is it, it's, it's funny. But it's a fascinating image. It's really good. Um, oh, I forget the name of the act. Famous actor who was one of the negotiators with it's good. It's a great movie. It really is. Um, um, Christopher Plummer plays Commodus instead of a uh, oh um much younger Christopher Plummer. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And uh, Alec Guinness is, uh, plays uh, Marcus Aurelius. Really good movie. Uh, okay, so... Our guest tonight began his film journey working as a makeup and special effects artist before moving into film and theater direction. However, he is probably best known for his work as production designer on a little film called The Blair Witch Project and creating the iconic Stickman figure, and then writing and or directing several Blair Witch Mythology support specials. He then formed Visible Man Productions, creating branded content, found footage, and subversive advertising in support of existing IP like Hellboy, True Blood, and Audi. Most recently, and how I became acutely aware of him, he co-wrote and directed the brilliant 10-part horror fiction podcast for Shudder called Video Palace. Ben Rock, welcome to Cinemental. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Let's, uh, first of all, I'm going to, what? Yeah, I got one thing to say about Blair Witch. I got a quick 30-second story. Oh, Go beautiful. For it. Go. Um, the, the Blair Witch Project is the only movie I have seen in a theater where I had to sit on the floor of the theater instead of a seat because we saw it at the sneak preview premiere downtown Chicago. Oh, wow. And they oversold it. So... <laughs> I literally sat in the back on the floor in the aisle to watch it. And I'll never forget that experience of being in that packed theater and not being in a comfortable seat to watch the movie. That probably yeah. added, added to the uh, creepiness of it. So remember going to movie theaters? That was pretty cool. I've actually been, you're not, not going to be happy with me, but I've been to see two movies this year in the theater during the pandemic. So. There was I just, else in the theater when I went, but well, that's fair. I mean, like honestly, I don't even have the option here in LA. Like, no, yeah. none of the theaters are open. Yeah. Um, but uh, I yeah, mean, like I, anymore either. They a few months ago they were so. Yeah, I mean, I know some people. Like, uh, I think Cinemark out here was letting people rent a movie theater to watch a movie for like a hundred bucks. Yep, they do and that. My, exactly. My wife and I were talking about doing that because we wanted to see Tenet. That's and the movie I saw. That's what he went theater. and saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're talking about doing it because it's like, well, yeah, let's get like, f you know, uh, four friends to go in on it, and we'll all sit in opposite sides of the theater. That'd be worth um, it for that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming again, since I live in LA, that once we're back to going to theaters, that Tenet will play somewhere that I'll be able to go see it in 70 millimeter. Like, I'd be surprised if they won't do that. As you, might. Um, <laughs> as you, yeah. but but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been a rough a rough year. I was somebody who. I have a two-year-old, so I don't really go to a lot of movies uh, now, anyway, because it's a much of a much of a much choreography goes into getting to go see a movie. <laughs> but uh, even given that, my wife and I would probably go once a month or something. But before our son was born, we would go every week. You know? Yeah. Awesome. And uh, and uh, this year has been just miserable for that. You know, like I I don't blame anyone for going to the theater. It's just uh, it's just just the shittiest year ever. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 uh, I have a, a weird Blair Witch response to your story. 
which is when I when we made the Blair Witch Project, I was working as a projectionist and manager at the Enzian Theater in Orlando, Florida. It's in Maitland, Florida. It's like the best thing about Orlando, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's my favorite place to go. Uh, and I was working there and Mike Manello was also working there. He got me the job there. And um, they let me go. I mean, they didn't fire me. They allowed me to go off and work on movies. And I was working, I worked on a bunch of like David Pryor movies in Mobile, Alabama back then. Hmm. And they would always let me go. That was when I first started working for them. I'd been fired from two projectionist jobs because I left to go work on movies. And they were, you're like, yeah, well, if you leave, you can't come back. And I was like, fuck you. I'm going to go work on a movie. <laughs> See ya. And, um, and Enzian didn't care. They were, they were totally cool about it. Um, nice. As long as you gave them some kind of notice. And so I went off and worked on Blair Witch. And then when Blair Witch opened in Orlando, the only screen it was on for, I think the first couple of weeks was the Enzian theater. And they like, it packed the place so much and they were able to like afford to get a brand new walk-in fridge and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> like, like it was their, it was their big hit that, I mean, it was, I think they extended big it hit for and, a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a good investment on their part to let, uh, let, let me leave for a month. Anyway. <laughs> I found uh, it was just one last Blair Witch thing. It was really strange. I found a guy, or I found online a guy who had taken, he had taken the Blair Witch, and apparently there is a plugin in either After Effects or Premiere that allows you to remove movement. Oh yeah, in the no, film. you can stabilize. All the editing softwares have like motion stabilization. Okay, now. so apparently he had done that because he has real problems with motion sickness and, and he has vertigo. And so he had a real, he couldn't watch the movie. So he ran the entire film through one of those plugins to stabilize everything. Yeah. Probably the mm -hmm. warp stabilizer, which would really fuck up the rest of the film. But anyway, well, he said, there's a whole lot of stuff where it, like it pans the thing over. Then you have to like manually pan back yeah. and, and stuff like that. And he said that he goes, it can be a little disconcerting. He goes, but you see a lot more in the film that way. And he goes, and he goes, I was able to finally watch the movie. He goes, but it's a completely, what I assume is a completely different experience uh, than, than watching it, you know, the way everyone else did, which I thought was, was just a really weird <laughs> way. It's a really, it. it's a really labor intensive way to watch any movie. Um, <laughs> and I, I have to say, uh, you know, like if I, if I, if I could make a movie, yeah, that would just, I don't know that I have it in me to put that many hours into watching one, any one movie, whatever it is. But uh, no, I mean, that, that, that's interesting. I'd be interested to see what some of it looked like. But uh, yeah, mo I mean, the, the thing about motion stabilization is it doesn't necessarily take out motion blur so that you'll still get motion blur artifacts. Right, right, probably. I would love to see what that looks like, though. That's, that's interesting. I've seen like, you know, the... See if I the, can track it down again. The Patterson-Gimlin uh, Bigfoot footage. Uh, I've, seen, I've, <laughs> right. I've, I've seen that motion stabilized. And it's like, oh, yeah, it totally just looks like a dude in a suit now. <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical. Which it had to be. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we, we went to see a, a Blue Witch down in the village uh, when it first came out. And we were... Um, the word had kind of gotten out as far as I don't I don't know I don't know how prominent it was that this might have been like a real thing or whatever but we we went um uh, uh my three friends we went like we were gonna 
we were going to go laugh at the whole thing. It's like, this is, you know, there's, there's no way any of this is real. Nobody, you know, there's no fine found footage. Of I'd like to preface this Ben with the fact that Hassan is not a horror guy. He, just, no, he does we, not like horror films. I'm, 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 I'm much less of one now than I was back then when it was happening. It just, it just, but it was, it's one of those things. And, um, I think, I think from the moment the, the, the first night in the woods, up until um, the camera snapped at the very end of the of, of the film, uh, and my friends and I, we were all we were all dead silent to the whole thing. <laughs> we were we were just kind of yeah okay yeah this is who would ever do this like this was this is I, and I've told Steve this you know this would never happen to me like uh, <laughs> this this whole story is bull because this would never happen to me. There was no way I would go up. and that, that, as soon as that first night happened. We were, we were, and it, um, and the, uh, the, I forget the name of the first kid who disappeared, and Josh. then they start, yeah, Josh. Josh, and he start, yeah, because he, uh, I don't know how I forgot Josh, because they scream Josh like the, throughout the entire, <laughs> and um, and he, the, you know, the scenes where either he or someone was screaming, you know, it's never really yeah. established that that it was Josh, but it was some someone was screaming in the, in the yeah. background, and I, my friend sit next to me, and. Um, this is how I learned that the word bullshit had two meanings because it, we were, we, when we went in, I was like, well, let's, well, let's go see this bullshit movie. Right. <laughs> and then when he was sitting next to me and Josh was screaming, he went, Oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it, was, it was a completely different. That's bullshit. And I'm like, and, and I looked at him I'm like this, this is working. Isn't it? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, this is working. That's this funny. is all bullshit. Yeah. So, um, as you know, we went in as complete skeptics and walked out kind of trying to like, what, what just happened? Like, and, and we, we were having fun with it. It was great. It's a, it's a, it's a great film. I've seen it. Like it's one of the few horror films I've seen probably 10 or 20 times. Whoa. And it's, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it a bunch of times. I mean, well, we, we kind of, especially back then when it, when it first started and it was one of the, you know, like one of the better done found film, uh, found footage films. So it was a phenomenon back. Then. I mean, I don't know if you, you know, if if anybody else could corroborate it, but that was pretty much as far as we were concerned, all that anyone was doing at that time. It was a you know, right after Black for sure. Yeah, it was. It totally was. So we just kind of really got caught up in it, and we were we were kind of annoyed. We were like, weren't we making fun of this movie like? three days ago <laughs> it became a, it became an absolute obsession so um and i still i still talk about that movie very fondly i don't i don't hear anybody i don't hear anybody poo-pooing on that that film at all oh, uh, you know so it's uh and as not a horror fan you know i, I appreciate it thank you very much thank oh, you for that <laughs> experience and thank you for uh, letting me understand the many uh, meanings of the word bullshit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I maintain that that uh, that entire movie is is made on that final shot. And if you're the thing is, is you have to have been paying attention throughout the, the whole course of the movie when they're talking about the kids standing in the corner of the basement and that final shot when she runs down the stairs and she turns the corner and you just get a flash and he's right. He's right ahead of her. He's not more than a few a few steps ahead of her, but she yeah. gets down there. He's already in. A, I just got a fucking chill from just talking about it. He's already in the corner facing the wall and you're like, what? And then. And that's yeah. it. 
And it's like the whole thing is just sold on that la- that second to last camera shot glimpse of him standing in a corner. And it's just, it's so great. After, yeah, after everything you've been through, so much motion and everything. And that last final shot is just this stationary image and everything's still. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and, then so, you, and then and then and then you hit it, the 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 film snap or something like like well no she she what sounds like she gets hit or yeah, something I happens mean, to her the, and the camera falls. But, but yeah but the camera's the, running for yeah. a few seconds yeah it's on it, its side it, on the thing yeah but it's just pointing at the wall of the the basement wall or whatever but yeah that's I I I love the end of that movie oh thank you and it makes you forget because he, there's there's a there's a uh, an absurd conceit with found footage that someone is diligently, you know, marching. I mean, you could do it. It would, it, it works better now with, uh, with cell phones and, and, you know, other, other uh, LCD, like, you know, uh, lenses and stuff like that. But back then that was like a camcorder, like someone had yeah. to be yeah. walking around. So the conceit of someone is actually filming everything. And they try, a lot of those movies try to um, try to explain it away. And like you know, trying to you know, especially like uh, what was that uh, uh, Cloverfield? Mm-hmm. But they was like, "Why are you filming this?" And he's yeah. like, "Oh, I'm just documenting." Yeah. You know, it's. But I mean, it's it that uh, Blair Witch just completely makes you forget that someone is actually yeah, supposedly I mean, filming all of this like the entire time. I mean, you you kind of have to go with that with that idea if you're watching a found footage movie. One of my favorites was uh, Rec rec yeah uh, yeah uh yeah. and i even like the american remake quarantine, quarantine. Because, yeah because it's a it, it's supposed to be a news cameraman and you do buy that a news cameraman would just keep rolling on news right um you know right. like that's that's what you do i mean i've been a camera operator and so i i know that like when you're in the in the heat of whatever it is and I've, i haven't done anything like i'm not like you know in a war zone or anything but if you're <laughs> if you're documenting like a real event as it's unfolding you know, you just kind of go into, you know, and you just get so mega focused on the camera and making sure that you're capturing whatever's happening in front of you. And it's, uh, you know, I, I do sort of buy it, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's a little hard to understand sometimes. And I almost feel like in, in Cloverfield, they probably shouldn't have even addressed it. Frankly, they should have just let it go. Can I, can I give one, I know we, this is not what the show is about, but can I give one gripe about found footage? Um, sure. Sure. everyone says, Cannibal Holocaust is a found footage movie and it isn't. And I feel like anyone who says that it is has not seen it because there's like a five minute segment of it. That's found footage. And the rest of it's just a regular old movie with master shots and overs and people in every, every year when people are talking about Blair Witch around Halloween, usually there are think pieces about how Cannibal Holocaust was the first found footage movie. It wasn't. Yeah. There have been plenty of other ones. No one ever mentioned it. It was later than Cannibal Holocaust, but there's a French movie called Man Bites Dog that's brilliant. Um, But like the first quote unquote found footage movie I ever saw was sort of a dramedy called David Holtzman's Diary that was made in like 1968. Um, You know, the fake documentary they say is like the last film genre that was ever created from whole cloth. And the only thing that I think really distinguished Blair Witch in its time was that we were using the fact that camcorders could, were so small. Uh, you know, they had just, until then, they were like a big-ass brick, you know? Right, and right. And within, within the space of five or six years, they'd gotten to the point where you could just hold it in one hand. Yep. And so the Hi8 camera that Heather had was, you know, we just bought it at fucking Circuit City for like 300 bucks. <laughs> and um, uh-huh. and it, it was, you know, 
crazy small. So they had that and they had the CP 16, which is, you know, what the real, their documentary is supposed to be. And, uh, and, and I should give credit as well to Greg Hale for uh, suggesting that Heather walk around with that camera. Cause that's, that ended up being most of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, only, the, only, the movies that I remember before, uh, before being before Blair, Witch were uh, there was a movie called the last broadcast. I mean, that was, that came out, like a year before we did, but I think we were filming literally at the same time. And then there was a movie earlier, I think called the Poughkeepsie tapes. That was way later. I think. Was it, was it much later? Okay. All right. I, I think the Poughkeepsie tapes, I could be wrong, but I want to say it was like 2003 or 2004 ish. Okay. I mean, I, I may be way out, but those are those. Are the only I, I, that, I, I could be wrong too. I mean, I, and those are the only two that I ever remember being back at that era or of that genre at the time. And before I'm, that, you know, once you had, I mean, and honestly, the only, the one after you, it wasn't until we hit, as far as being really successful, uh, you know, I mean, you could, I don't know when Cloverfield hit, but uh, I mean, the next one that was super successful, and I don't mean money-wise, just being successful in, in its creation uh, was uh, the first paranormal activity. For sure. You know, that, that would, that's like the next, the next step there. I mean, using just nothing but like, you know, home security cameras and you know, the one that he just arbitrarily set up in his bedroom. There's still, there's still nothing creepier than that first fucking scene where she just wakes up and stands by the bed for four oh, hours. That's brilliant. Orin, um, did, Orin it, Pelly is such a, so amazing. I wish he'd make more movies. Yeah. It's just that, that, that scene still gets me to this day <laughs> and it's so <laughs> early on too. He's just like, what, what is she doing? It's like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I saw, good. I saw <laughs> activity. I was in San Diego hanging out with Steve Barton, AKA uncle creepy, the guy who founded dread central. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife and I were over at his place uh, with him and his wife, Deb. And he was like, can I show you a movie? And I'm like, I was like, what is it? He's like, I don't want to tell you anything about it. I guess cause Oren was in San Diego when he made that movie. So I saw that movie like a year before Wow. It, it got released. I didn't know what the hell I was watching when I saw it. And it was, I mean, like that's the best way to see anything. Like yeah. I knew, I knew it was a movie. I didn't think it was real, but uh, that, that wasn't, you know, Steve wouldn't have done me like that, but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, but it, it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was just a great way to watch it. Like knowing literally nothing about what you're watching. That movie is so genius in its, in its use of minimalism, you know, yeah. like, like Blair Witch were in the woods in, in paranormal activity. They're just in one condo the whole time. It's so yeah. good. It's just the, the, this, the, the shots of like, you know, the, of like nothing happening, you know, yeah. or hold just as much tension as the shots of like them, not of them happening. Cause you're like, you keep waiting for something. And even when it doesn't happen, you're still all like all tied up waiting for something to waiting for that thing, looking for that thing. And then it doesn't happen. You're like, Oh, all right, yeah. few, and then and then of course, then something does, and you're screwed anyway. So, <laughs> BB, I got a funny sidebar Shoot. Uh, in relation to the robot guy. Oh. Uh, this just popped up on my feed today, but apparently Russia had a high tech robot conference this week, a big forum, and they had an ultra realistic robot that no one could believe that was able to do anything that it was asked to do. And then the next day, uh, a journalist figured it out that the reason it was able to do anything it wa you wanted it to do was because it was a human in a robot suit. <laughs> seriously? Yeah, seriously. It's a great story if you read up on it. It's, oh, my they, God. They tried, they tried to pass off 
uh, a human in a robot suit and make it seem uh, like they had. See, now all I can think of is Cartman in the Awesomeo outfit. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's that with but trying to pull it off in front of the media and oh my god, people calling them out and them having to admit, yeah, that's a guy in a robot suit. So that is fucking awful. It's like the Mechanical Turk. Have you ever heard of the Mechanical Turk? No. Uh, the, it was it was like a hold on I'm gonna it, it, it was a it was a a robot it was like an automaton I, I want to say a hundred years ago that could like mm-hmm. answer all these questions and they found out the reason it was answering the questions because there was somebody inside it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, almost like it's like an old almost like an old freak show thing or a side, you know, like an old sideshow yeah, gag. Yeah, totally what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's it's a it's a con. That's know? that's hysterical. Never fails. Maybe you could free Zoltar. (laughs) 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 I'd really like to shake your hand. (laughs) Okay. Granted. That's so funny. That's brilliant. You should make that film. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for Ben's guilty pleasure, which I have very specific thoughts about this. Uh, He chose Dreamcatcher. Here's the Duddits, our dream catcher. Wish he was here. A circle of friendship. To the Duds. To Douglas Cavell. To Duddits. A web of mystery. Jonesy, you be careful. Be careful of what? A pattern of fear. And where are they all going? It's not where they're going that worries me. It's what are they running away from? Design of an alien invasion. You're not Jonesy. Evil slips through. What do you want? Come with me, Owen. I'll show you things you wish you'd never seen. From 2003, directed by Lawrence Kasdan, with a running time. I feel really guilty that you all had to watch it, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> with a running time of 134 minutes. Four friends head to a cabin of their childhood for their yearly getaway following the recovery of one of them from a life-changing accident. When they cross paths with a couple of folks who appear to be lost, things abruptly change, and strange occurrences immediately force a reckoning that ties directly back to their own childhoods. Ben? In other words, you... Stephen King. Why, why did you uh, <laughs> uh, pick uh, Dreamcatcher for us to, to all revisit? Oh, so, I've never seen it, Steve. When oh, you, say, you hadn't seen it? Oh, oh, oh my man. goodness. Nope. When you say guilty pleasure, like, the thing is, uh, I'm a horror guy through and mm-hmm. through. And a lot of movies that I think a lot of people turn their noses up to, I, I actually love. And I love good B movies. And, you know, I sort of started when the first movies I ever worked on, as I was saying earlier, were by this director named David Pryor who made movies like I didn't get to work on deadly prey, but deadly prey is like the, it's an amazing uh, schlocky exploitation movie. It's, it's so great. There's so many things to love about it. And, and I worked on a bunch of movies like that in the Southeast. I also worked on blood sport too. Like it's hard for me to find a movie. I feel guilty watching. (laughs) Um, And uh, especially coming from a low budget world, you know, where it's like, you know, you have kind of a, creative dream and a vision and, you know, 45 cents to rub together and you're doing your best. And like, it would be hard for me to like, look at anyone who's made a low budget movie and, and say, Hey, look, look at this. But, uh, literally nobody in Dreamcatcher 
is doing poorly. You know, Lawrence Kasdan wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Empire Strikes yeah. Back. And he's directed some really amazing movies. I, yep. I love Grand Canyon. Yep. I think I think he's he's a real and and it was uh co-written by William Goldman yeah. of all people, yeah. who wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh the, the cast is is just unbelievably great. You know, there are uh, no soft spots in this movie. On the production side, on paper, <laughs> yeah. this is like a movie you can't beat. I mean, like even after you get past all the all the other stuff, you're like Morgan Freeman is in this movie. You know, Tom Sizemore. Okay, Tom Sizemore is kind of a punchline now, but back then Tom Sizemore was he was legit. He was in Saving Private Ryan. He was in Natural yeah. Born Killers. You know, he was a big deal. So I went to see that movie, and I had not read the Stephen King book on which it was based, which uh, I believe Stephen King uh, says he does not remember writing. Uh, like he was oh, an, al- an alcoholic and blackout the whole time. No, this was when he was uh, on Oxy recovering from the accident. Even better. So, but he doesn't <laughs> remember, he does not remember writing it. It's got elements of stand by me. There's stuff that feels so much like stand by me mm-hmm. that it almost feels like a parody of stand by me. And at the same time, all of this, this great cast, Timothy Oliphant and Jason Lee and, and Thomas Jane and everybody in it, it, it ad, it it's laughably bad, but I don't feel bad <laughs> laughing at it because I feel like I'm not punching down on any of these people. They they all have amazing careers. They've all done amazing work, uh, and it's just like a tragic big budget misfire. Like a lot of money went into it, but it's also clearly Kasdan's vision, and it set Kasdan's directing career back a bit. But yeah. Uh, you know, again, like he's not starving to death, so I'm not, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> nah, he's doing all right. My guess is he knows exactly what it is, but all that being said, when that movie comes on table, I cannot stop watching it. <laughs> I, uh, I had not seen this movie since, uh, since probably came to theaters and, and, and I saw it. I'm going to let Hassan go first. Oh man. Yeah, that's right. Sucker. <laughs> I'd seen this movie already. Um, yeah, what's well, really yeah. strange yeah, I don't know. I don't remember why or when I, when I saw. I, I do the only and the only thing I really remembered was the toilet, which is something you can't really forget. It's not something it's, you. That's a noteworthy sequence. I mean, like that's some. It's a pretty intense sequence, but also intensely hard, horrible. I mean, hard, and I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's not a great scene, but it's a, just the the whole body horror aspect of it is just horrific, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. The guy in denial that he's, you know, if they follow a blood trail to the bathroom and they're like, yeah. hey, buddy, you all right in there? <laughs> and he's okay? like, no, nope, I'm fine. <laughs> just a little, just a little stomach upset. I'm, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Mm. All the horror you can milk out of a farting drifter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, Kazdan. He's wrote not only Empire Strikes Back, but he's wrote, written a bunch of movies that I really loved, including Wyatt Earp, the the the, mm-hmm. the maligned Wyatt Earp. Um, no, he's a master. He's a, I'm uh, with you, unassailed master. Except for he was assailed by having made this. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm confused. You know, okay. First, the first time I saw it. I was just so disgusted by it and it didn't make any sense to me. Like I, when I was, I was younger and I was trying to make, make it make sense this time around. It actually, I understood what I was watching. You know, I understood it from the, from the beginning and the end. It's, it's just an alien invasion. It's just a bad alien invasion movie with a lot of body horror. And then a whole bunch of Stephen King tropes. 
it, it's it, and as you say, it's like someone tried to rip off a Stephen King formula, and 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 install it into a an alien invasion. <laughs> Except it is a Stephen King book that's being adapted, so it's like Stephen King was ripping himself off yeah, in exactly. this case. It's great to find out that he that he doesn't remember writing his book. I wish I could do that. I wish I could <laughs> write a book that someone even if if even if someone made it in a bad movie, you know, it's like, nah, fuck it. You know, I don't know what I was doing or who I was when I wrote this, but cha-ching, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it, you know, everything in this movie is, there's nothing really bad in the movie. It just all goes together terribly. There's yes. no, there's a, there's a whole lot of interesting stuff going on. Oh, the yeah. whole sequence with, uh, Oliphant, like finding the woman's car keys, you know, which yeah. is really well done. And, um, and you've and it's also the the slow reveal that there's something psychologically or uh, or uh, psycho not psychologically there's something clairvoyant about all these guys that yeah. they you know they've got and that's kind of a slow reveal like you know but there's but there there's enough quirkiness that you that you it, with each of them they 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 just um they just seem to uh, to intuitively know things that they couldn't know. So you're, you know, and so the movie really tricks you because you're kind of on board with it as you're discovering things, giving you easy Easter eggs to put together. And you're like, all right, cool. Like start. And then suddenly a guy wanders out of the woods and then he, you know, he shits an alien and then it just, and then the alien becomes a giant gray that turns into a mist that, that you know, and, and you're like, I don't know what the hell. Even though I'm following this, I don't know what the hell I'm watching. It is a um, lot. <laughs> so, um, but it was a, it was a better experience this time around because I knew what was going on. Um, I, I don't know what it says, what it's trying to say about the mentally handicapped. You know, being that, is, and that is its own. Uh, you know, barrel of snakes, like, like, <laughs> like it handles that so badly. <laughs> the the Duddits character, man. Yeah, I mean, like that. That to me is possibly the worst misfire of the whole film. And and when he's when they save him, isn't that right out of it? Kind isn't of. that the the same scene where they where they where they save the the black kid in it, where they just kind of stumble on to something terrible happening and they did they and the and the and our hero group decides to stand their ground and and do something courageous to the bullies and then the, the, there's a there's a mislead where you think that these bullies are going to be significant in the rest of the story and they're yeah just I, not i feel you know, like as as much as stephen king says that he doesn't remember writing this book i feel as if whoever edits his material must have been on vacation that <laughs> month or year or whatever as well. I feel like that in his oxy cause stupor and, and, and he had, and he couldn't sit at his desk and write because of the, the back issues he was having from the accident. So he wrote this whole thing out longhand. His, his first draft was written longhand on this. And this oh, is man. a seven, this is a 700 page book Dreamcatcher. And I just feel like I can't he, imagine that going on for 700 pages. Like, he just kept adding stuff and kept adding stuff. I read this book. I don't remember it, but I read this book because this was well, you're in good company, Oxy. apparently. 
this was this was this was before the point at which I stopped reading. So I I I'd read everything he'd done up until Rose Red, and this came before that. And uh, or not Rose Red, Rose Matter. And I just I feel like he just kept adding stuff. Like maybe he forgot how much stuff he was adding into it. You know who? You know he he tapped into War of the Worlds, obviously. You know, and with the with the with the red the red weed everywhere or whatever it was was coming out of these things, which was never discussed or explained. No, um, you know the one, the the dog became an incubator for the for yeah. whatever after. Okay, all right. Yeah, there's a lot of okay. Like you do, you just kind of across things, and you're like, all right, you know, I I, I guess like Tim Oliphant. Like why was like Tim Oliphant? This was before Tim Oliphant was. Was Tim, you know, like was was uh, mm-hmm. was a name himself, so I understand why his character didn't amount to to any to like any kind of hero status. But the way he was—that's another thing about the film. Like these characters, they establish these characters. These characters are given these powers, but only one of them is actually, or only two of them are actually able to use the powers to any kind of benefit, because because um, Jason Lee's killed immediately yeah and his his uh his main contribution was sitting on a toilet you know until and he couldn't do that anymore like he couldn't even he couldn't even keep that he he needed his toothpick to be fair right. he needed his toothpick there's an ocd <laughs> thing right yeah. but fine okay uh, yeah, and yet another mental health malady they have attacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his OCD causes his death. Fantastic. While yeah, while while the other guy looks for tape. Yeah, so it's just it's such a like what what, what is the sequence? Like you're you're watching it. It's like wait, okay, so the guy runs off to get tape. So so the other guy has to sit on this toilet, and it has to be him specifically because they have to argue about that for about five wasted minutes of arguing who should be the one to sit on the toilet where both of them could just leave the bathroom and lock the door, you know, and burn the cabin down. I mean, I don't know if you're going to, there's a guy, there's a guy with no ass in the tub and there's blood <laughs> everywhere. I don't know how much, you know, you're not going to get your deposit back, you know, so like, just, <laughs> just get the hell out of it. I just, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's kind of horror tropey where it's a, cut, that's a forced cut, cut and run. Yeah, it's a forced scenario. Like that scenario didn't have to happen. It doesn't matter. It's not. It's not a deal breaker. There's a lot of other crazy stuff in the film. But so, so we lose Jason Lee like that, and then we lose Tim Oliphant after, you know, after a, an extended sequence where I can't. I can't remember the actor's name. Who's the main guy? Uh, Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis. There's a, there's there's a there's an entire sequence. Damien Lewis negotiates for Tim Oliphant's life. You know. Yeah. And so, and then, yeah. And seconds later, he he's dead. So it's like, okay, why did we even go through that? I didn't. I didn't like. It's I. My thing is, I don't hate any movie I watch. Like, well, that's not true. Last week, I hated both those movies. Oh, what were they? What Uh, were they? uh, David Cronenberg's Shivers and a 1972 Giallo film called What Have They? What Have You Done to Solange? Oh wow! I've seen both of those, and I saw Shivers very recently, and yeah, it's not. It doesn't hold up. I'm, I'm sure it was, it was shocking back then. <laughs> well, it held up Hassan for a while. <laughs> yeah, was, I say this oh. as as the biggest David Cronenberg fan alive, but yeah. Um. So no, I didn't. I I I didn't hate rewatching this. 
I'm happy to, to, to hear that you feel that it's absurd. So I don't have to be, you know, to, to poop all over your, what your guilty pleasure movies. And actually I kind of feel better about the movie knowing that you also like you, you enjoy it probably because of the absurdity of it, because it is, yeah, it is an out there film. All the actors are great and they're mm-hmm. all doing really good work with a script that is highly stylized with weird ass dialogue and they're selling it, kind of. Yeah. And it still is, like, it, it, it could have squeaked over. This movie is, like, three degrees away from being a masterpiece or this. And it's kind of a cautionary tale. It's got stuff like The Memory Warehouse. That is a brilliant Yeah. Movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love it. The, it's so the other thing, like, there are, certain, there are some things, like, they, the woman that they find in the road, which is probably... You could have done a whole movie on that alone. That Im- the image is terrifying, the the circumstance is terrifying. They, they 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 claw themselves out of the car, and they they discover that they're fine. So they kind of get over that terror, and then they kind of look over. They re- they remember why they were in this situation in the first place, and they look over, and the person is still just sitting in the road, just you know you know half frozen, you know sitting in the road. And, and, you know, and the, the expression that they both have, you know, uh, so uh, one of my, my editor uh, talks about, like, it's, it's not, you know, horror movies, or horror, horror writing isn't supposed to terrify you. It's just supposed to convince you that the people in it are terrified mm. and then you become terrified with them. You know, that's the, that's the trick that a lot of people miss. They try to scare you when what they really should be doing is trying to convey to you how scared your protagonist is and then you become scared with them so the look that the the two of them traded with one another where they just kind of not only a you know kind of accept the absurdity of this body in the in the middle of the road especially also the angle with which we we are reintroduced to the woman who is is stuck in the road once they come out of the car it you know it's it it's that's that's the that sequence uh is the only sequence in the film that really gave me chills. Like what the hell is that all about? Mm. And then, you know, and then they do, and they go, so sort of they established that they did a good job with that. And then they start talking to her and then they start joking with her, which kind of breaks you right out of the, the tense detention of the moment. And then one of them has to leave the other one there. It's another one of those, the same trope again, where it's like, okay, let's split up. You know, now that we've, yeah. <laughs> now that we've discovered something appropriately, fucked up let's let's split up and you know because we can't handle this together we have to handle this one at a time uh and then morgan freeman we didn't even talk about morgan freeman i don't even know what to say about morgan freeman and he's his like in a different movie he's in a yeah. totally different yeah. movie than everybody else <laughs> yes. him and tom sizemore are off in planet whatever that is <laughs> they're it's like their characters literally only exist to be foils for one another yeah. and at the end to cancel each other out yeah and it's, Tom Sizemore, if you know that these are you, and you're you're you were in an armada, no, you didn't, where you're attacking aliens, and you could hear the aliens in your head. They're talking to you. They're they're trying to convince you, which is a that, terrifying idea. Yes, and they're in and they're in with these benign childlike voices, you know, of we're you were fine, we're your friends, you know, yeah. where there's no infection, we're don't no kill us, to harm you, yeah, don't kill us, we're trapped. And so you spend, and then you, you, you kill hundreds, you are not affected by that. You kill hundreds of them. 
and then you lose a, a bunch of guys because for some reason they don't want to pull out, you know, when, when I don't understand. I never understand that trope anyway. It's like, no, we could stay. We could do the no, no, you can't you <laughs> leave when your commanding <laughs> officer tells you to leave. So, all right. So we know that the aliens are telepathic. So we, we run into Thomas Jane and Thomas Jane is, 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 is running down uh, Tom Sizemore's life. How is this convincing to Sizemore? How is Sizemore not like, oh, you're one of them? You know, you're, I'm being <laughs> fooled into, into thinking that you're, you know, that you're a normal human being. You're obviously in my head because you know things about me that you shouldn't know. I'm going to shoot you now. I don't understand how that was, co- that was successfully convincing to him that he should betray his commanding officer and I mean, I already know that the commanding officer compromised himself by suggesting, "Look, we're just gonna have to kill this whole town." Sorry if it's a it's a bad Tuesday. We're just gonna just kind of nuke all these guys. I'm very sorry, you know. But you'll be by, all right. By You're... the way, in the book, his his name is not Curtis. It's, it's not. Kurt. It's Kurtz. That's oh, a on the nose. Um, <laughs> it's a crazy movie. I enjoyed it. I don't. I I I don't know if I like it. I enjoyed watching it. But it's a movie it was a, fun, it's fun to not like it. I mean, it's possible to enjoy not liking a movie. It's a batshit movie. It really is a batshit yeah. movie with a lot of really interesting sequences and a lot of stuff that could be scary. But since they're so batshit, I mean, you find this guy wandering around in the woods who's a little off and sort of bloody and his body is changing right in front of you. But then he farts. So that takes you right out of the... the 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 horror of it, you know, that the, and you're and they let him go sleep in the bed, and and then they make fun of him for about ten or fifteen minutes and then find a blood trail. <laughs> like I don't I don't know what tone this movie is trying to take, but yeah. um, I I thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time to release the hounds, Lay. <laughs> You know, in college, in my in my writing classes, we do these exercises where you just start writing and then the teacher would say, okay, stop, focus on something in what you've just written and go on a tangent on that. And then you'd keep going and then after three hours, you'd have whatever you have. That's what I feel that this movie is, okay? it's it, This movie has no outline, just zero. <laughs> and... Kasdan, he's a minimalist writer. That's what makes Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Empire Strike, Strikes Back so brilliant. It, there's, it's just, you know, brilliant lines. I love you. I know. Just minimalist. Or, or no lines at all. And this is the opposite. It's just like, we're going to go on tangents that, I mean, we're going to focus on flatulence now. And we're going to really make a point of it. And then take it all the way to the bathroom and the toilet. And, and I'm just like, why did you choose to go down this path with this and think this would be interesting? The first 20 minutes of this movie, it had me. I was like, wow, I didn't see this. What, what did I miss? This is, this is kind of interesting. All the clairvoyant stuff and setting up these characters. The, like you said, the memory warehouse I mean, the work that was put into those shots and, and what it looked like. And I mean, that was just, that was great. And then, I mean, this movie's like a silver bullet train for the first 20 minutes. And then it just plunges off 
the highest cliff you've ever seen, and the train never hits anything. It just goes <laughs> into a bottom and keeps going and going and going down. And if you're a passenger, you're just like, when, when do I hit bottom? I mean, when, when is this going to happen? I mean, you know, thematically, that he can't get the toothpick, and and it, you know, it's it's. I just kept thinking, wow, they're really driving the point home that you can't always get what you want, okay? <laughs> Besides your ass about to be ripped apart and shredded into pieces. I, I don't. Whose first instinct is to sit on that toilet? You know, like who's after what you just saw? Whose first instinct is to jump on that toilet to keep the thing in the? Like, how do you know that's not going to well, go right through the toilet lid? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like the, you know, the mole rat from the documentary. Eventually, it's going to figure out how to chew through the toilet seat and go into your ass. I knew they were connected. Okay. <laughs> what do you say? I knew they were connected somehow. Yeah, I mean, honestly, these two movies, you know, you could just interweave them and have the topiary guy talking over the dog <laughs> as he's slicing through. It would have made more sense at that point. You're like, on to something. <laughs> I, 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 it's such a strange and, and like you said or one of you said before I think Steve or, or Ben that there's so many so much high talent involved in this movie you're reading the credits and then you start watching like wow this thing's loaded and that's why when it dives you're just like oh my god holy what happened here and then I kept thinking, like Hassan said, it's like a, it's like Stephen King ripping off a Stephen King story of his own. So, Steve, you read the book. Do you remember how close it is to the book? Or uh, I do. As I said, I do not. I do not remember much about this book at all. The one thing I I okay. did find in my in my research was the fact that as far as the the stuff that's on screen is pretty accurate to what's in the book. Um, there's there's okay. just a lot more that's not and, there. and and i think king at times i haven't read a lot of his books but but a couple i've read and one reason why i don't didn't continue reading them is you know he just he won't edit his story down right you know and like the first book i read of his was the tommy knocker oh, and i was choice. like you gotta <laughs> chop this motherfucker down dude yeah. there is too much just excess in here I'm wondering if he just started, you know, maybe this was one of those books where he's like, I'm just going to write and write and write. And if farts come to the forefront, well, that's what's coming to the forefront. And I just, I'm, I'm just stunned. It's just, I don't even like really, I don't like it, but I I guess I don't hate it. I just, where it goes, it's just like, it just disintegrates. And you're at the end, you're just like, you know, wow! I, you know, I, I don't know why it went that way. It's, it's hard to reconcile how much talent is sitting in front of you, and like, and like Ben said, there's nothing, there's no one thing you can point at that's that makes this so bad. It's just because it's just it, none of them are doing no bad way. jobs. You know, it's not like somebody's so, so completely off the rails with their performance. Amazing cinematography. John Seal shot it, and he's yeah. a world class cinematographer. Great. Looks great. Looks fantastic. That creepy scene where the we first see the alien standing behind him. You know, I, I just, uh, I, uh, man, I, I, I don't know what would. I guess what I mean is, I don't know what would fix this, but a lot needs fixing. But I wouldn't know where to start. Uh, I, I really wouldn't if I were like a, 
script doctor or someone who fixes movies after they're made. I think it would work if you took the aliens out. You know, like <laughs> yeah, if you. And I'm not. See, I thought I my thought on that is if you took all of the military stuff out, I the agree. aliens you kind of need. But if you take well, no, the no, military no. stuff out. I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean that they. Showing. Yeah, I don't mean that you take the aliens out of the the story in it itself. I think just take the ob the unam the the unambiguous Mr. aliens. Yeah. yeah, running yeah, for their they, spaceship, they their giant spaceship that's sitting out in the yeah. open. You know, take all that Independence yeah. Day action stuff out, <laughs> and just make it. And just make it a psychological thing where, yes. you know, yeah. I think if you didn't see the aliens at all, but you understood that there were aliens and somehow they were infesting people and that there was a sickness that the military had to stop. And only these psychic kids who were infected with this, this, you know, this clairvoyance from an, another alien species years ago. I think that's a terrifying movie. You know, I think the end, an unseen enemy in you know uh, outbreak of a plague infestation which we're all why hardwired for right now you know and and crazy morgan freeman and tom sizemore you could keep them you know that word that helicopter sequence could come out but everything else that they were doing yeah. and that the fact that they're also insane because it's it, it probably would drive someone crazy trying to trying to stop these things from spreading i think you you got the makings of a really terrifying movie i think that's a whole different movie though well, yeah, I mean, they couldn't decide whether they wanted to be a horror movie or a sci-fi movie. Yeah, I just don't think it works showing them. I mean, it could even be like, say, signs where you see the aliens sparingly in really scary moments that are effective. You don't see them, you hardly see them at all. But when right. you do see them, it works. And also, they're, it, this, they're out in the open. Helicopters come and start shooting them. So they start, run. Yeah. They run to their ship to self-destruct themselves. Mm -hmm. Like you do. Yeah, fuck it. But you're being shot. Like you I do. mean, <laughs> what are you running for? If you're going to kill yourself anyway, what are you running for? I don't understand. I, what, what was the purpose of running to the ship just to blow themselves up? Uh, it's just such a <laughs> more weird. It's just, it's like there's no rationale <laughs> with this movie. That's what this movie is missing is rationale at certain times. And, and that's maybe if you... I don't know, made the characters more logical or or yeah. everything. Or maybe if we were all on Oxycontin while we were watching it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's I another mean, option. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, 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 the direction I was decided I was going to take with this, I was actually going to choose to defend this movie simply because of the fact is there's so much potentiality in it. And I, and like I said, I think that at, at two hours and, 15 minutes way too long i said if you if you probably stripped out and like i said if you stripped out almost all the military stuff you, the, the raid on the ship a lot of the the back and forth the with with sizemore and you know all the all the buildup of sizemore and first of all morgan freeman doesn't even need to be in here it doesn't need to be morgan freeman in that role that was a that's a uh it's stunt cast. It's a stunt cast for for absolutely pointless. You know, you could have put and you could have put Sizemore in that role, and then just gotten some other guy of the same level of the guys, the main four guys in your film, to play the Sizemore character. And I just felt like there's there's a there's a good movie hiding inside this movie that sure. that needs to be pulled out in in one form or another. I like the themes that that 
that he does choose to return to. Like you said, there's a lot of stuff that he recycles here of his own. I love the ideas of, of friendship and how the years that pass between change or don't change those relationships over time. Um, that's some of the favorite stuff, but some of my favorite stuff that Stephen King does really, really well. There are big parts of this movie that I wish didn't exist. And there are big parts of this movie that I wish they would have taken a lot more time with. I think if they had been kind of once he got into Jonesy's head and it really would have showed more of that. I mean, they did a pretty good job with the whole tug of war bit between Jonesy, you know, running around the inside of his memory warehouse, trying to protect the Duddits material, you know, and keep him from, and still yet sneaking out to get stuff when the other guy was occupied and busy. I really like those sequences. I think the memory warehouse, as much as they use it, I think they could have used it even more. Oh, sure. They put so much work in the set. And, uh, and there's a there's an alternate ending to this movie. Uh, it was on the original DVD release. I don't know if it's still that. I, could, I couldn't find a copy of it onto YouTube or anything. I found one. There's two pieces of an alternate ending. There's an alternate ending of the fight between Duddits and the Mr. Gray, where where Duddits does not actually morph into another alien, but he defeats Mr. Gray with an ability rather than actually changing into another creature. That would have been way better. Yes. And then succumbs to his leukemia, you know, and then, you know, you work it through it that way. But there is another piece tacked on. I always felt like this movie where it just, he steps on the worm and then he smiles and then it just cuts. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? It, it ends like an old Italian horror film. It's like literally they get to the end of it and then there's nothing else. There is a, a little tacked on three minute piece. And this is on YouTube. You can go find it where Tom Jane and Damian Lewis go to Duddits's grave and sing uh, Blue Bayou uh, sort of acapella as the camera kind of pulls up and away. Hmm. And it's a really nice little coda after that sequence just to kind of wind it down. Uh, and, the, and the reason for removing that, I mean, other than the fact that it was already two hours and 17 or 14 minutes long, I mean, honestly, three more minutes, who gives a shit? Exactly. It would it would have made a, 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 a I think a difference to that ending, but uh, I I surprisingly did not hate this as much as I you know I, I read some up of, I had read up some on it before I I jumped back into it just because like I said I didn't remember much of it I remember Damian Lewis's uh, performance pretty much all that but I had forgotten that Timothy Oliphant was in this uh, I'd forgotten Jason Lee was in this and yeah. so did he. <laughs> uh this was the first of the first of three eventual appearances in uh leads for tom jane in a uh in stephen king property so the other two which are uh much more successful the mist and uh 1922 and damian lewis's second feature film role so a couple of guys at the uh at the early day parts of their careers but uh uh yeah i i i, I didn't uh i actually didn't hate this as much as i thought i would uh, just because I, I, I think, like I said, there's a, there's a, there's a really interesting film hiding in here, not unlike Mr. Gray hiding in Jonesy. So, <laughs> so there you go. But I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I did enjoy watching it again. Cause like I said, it's been a long time since I saw it. And I just, it's, I want to see, see, see I liked watching movies like this and, and getting that. Cause I feel like that if I was a guy who, who knew how to use, editing software and 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 had the inclination that to time that i would actually sit down with a copy of this and try and re-edit it in a manner that would make a better film out of it 
That's after you motion stabilize the Blair Witch Project. Well, you know, you got to prioritize. Uh, yeah. Call back. <laughs> <laughs> call back to a different, because this will be split into multiple shows, because now it's going to be a, so there are callbacks to Saturday's show. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was Dreamcatcher. <laughs> well, oh, Latham, well, how would you compare Dreamcatcher to Nightbreed? Oh, well, the problem is you can't compare anything to Nightbreed because it's just so beyond awful under all the... Oh, all man. Making yeah. me very sad right now. I know. He's, yeah. He's... Yeah. Even I like Nightbreed. It's, it's late. Even... He's having problems connecting. <laughs> Synapses aren't firing. He's, I literally he's... just watched Nightbreed again for the uh, like two days ago. I hadn't seen it in a while, but a friend yeah. of mine was the editor on the director's cut. His name's uh, Andrew Furtado. Oh. Nice. And uh, and and so I rem- remember when he was cutting it, I actually went over to his bay and checked out what he was doing, and it was just like, you know, new new footage. The ending is so much better. I understand yeah. it's a rough around the edges movie. I understand why people don't like it, but I love it. Oh, Steve loves it too. I do too. I like it. I like it. I have. I have. I have. I love it. I love Nightbreed. I've, I went really? to the movie theaters to see that. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. did I. I went with. I want to go back to Midian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm in the minority there for that movie, so that's okay. Um, it's a crazy movie. It's not a. It's not a really great film uh, in the, in the production uh, aspect. There's there's some quirky, snappish uh, editing with it um, that I'm not a big fan of. But the film itself is is fantastic, and then and Cronenberg scares it still scares the shit out of me. He's really good in that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, somebody what, one thing that like struck me while I was watching it the other night, because again I hadn't watched it in in a few years, uh, was that like some of these monsters are incredibly brilliantly visualized, but the main monster, the main the, like the the boss of all the monsters, Lylesburg, is just like a guy with a beard and like two cuts on his face, yeah, <laughs> and blood coming out of him. And I was like, <laughs> maybe maybe Lylesburg could have been something more. Maybe Doug Bradley, after playing Pinhead, was like, you can't cover my head with stuff. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, actually. I, I, I don't know, but, but I, it's like, you know, some of these monsters are just like, you know, surrealist like sculpture. Porcupine lady and yeah. Shauna Sassi. And then some of them are, it just looked like someone like, you know, just globbed a bunch of gelatin on their face and said, get out of here. You gotta go, go, go. You're a monster. <laughs> yeah, get, get on set. Get on set. <laughs> more <laughs> monsters. We need more monsters. <laughs> so does. Throw this bowl of spaghetti in this guy's face and film him. Perfect. Um, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. There's a. There's some really great, great, like lewd and and some of the some of those other monsters are just fantastic. And then there's like you said, there. You know, there's like a naked, Hari Krishna guy, or you know, yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's a couple of yeah. Uh, he's, he's got pierced nipples. That's what makes him a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Here goes the neighborhood. <laughs> that guy's great, though. Uh, ben, did you see Digging Up the Marrow? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know Adam really well. Okay, so I've, I've seen all his films. Yeah, that's a that was a, that was a fun one. Yeah, I like Digging Up the Marrow a lot. I, I think it's really cool. And uh, you know, actually, at Adam's office, he's got like the monsters from that like displayed in his office. Oh, I'm sure all the Alex Pardee drawings and stuff. I'm sure he's got all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I worked on uh, Victor Crowley. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. I'm a, I'm an associate producer on Victor Crowley, oh. um, but what that basically meant was they were shorthanded and they needed people who could do <laughs> just about whatever needed to be done all the time, and uh, and 
it was, <laughs> and it I was, was game. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, man. Hanging out in the woods all night with Kane Hodder. You you could do worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. That guy, he is, he's a funny guy. He's genuinely he is, hilarious. He, he's, he's done he has lot. to be, though, because he, look at him. Like, well, he's <laughs> done a lot. in life. He's done so much stuff and been so many, been part of so many things. He's got great stories. I, I've met him a couple But how times. long would he last if he wasn't, I mean, I'm not talking about career-wise, but like, you know, just like, just like legally. If he was, if he was a scary, if he was like, if he lived up to the way he looked, he oh. would, <laughs> well, he when would, he's in, the, when he's in the film, no. Victor Crowley get up too. like oh, that, yeah. makeup, that makeup looks good on film. And in person, it looks like that's what a person looks like. Like it looks really realistic. And, uh, and, 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 and he's <laughs> the thing about Kane is that like, he sits around all night, uh, you know, when he's not working, playing like, comedic word games with everyone and be like, Hey, so what's the only word in the English language you change your pronunciation. If you capitalize it, you're like, what? He's like polish. And you're like, Oh, all night. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I just saw some new uh, horror documentary and I can't think of what it is, but he had, they interviewed him as part of it. And it was the first time that I saw him. In a, in, a, in a modern interview uh, where he didn't have his hands and arms covered because he's, oh, you know, because yeah. of the burns, he's all like, even like when he would be at cons and stuff, he would always have, always be wearing gloves, always have long sleeve shirts on just because he was really conscious of the, uh, yeah. the scar tissue from the burn uh, accident that he had. And, and I did, that was the first interview where I saw him and he seemed so like laid back and relaxed during the interview. I was, I was, it really just kind of made me happy just to try to see him in what appeared to at least to be a better place with his overall appearance. So oh. he's, I, I, I was really impressed with him and I thought he was a cool guy. He was also like, uh, I, I don't like, I think, I think I laid it on too thick at one point, but it was like working with him was such a, such a great thrill only paralleled for me by working with Stuart Gordon. And he, and he was like, wow, you put me in the same category as Stuart Gordon. But it's like, you know, to me, like, you know, 15 year old me would high five me across the years to know that I've got, <laughs> ever even met either one of those guys, much less worked with both of them. Well, it, right. Yeah. I, I, I have a similar situation having, having had, I'm, I'm friends with John and Sandy Carpenter. So mm-hmm. I've, I've oh, been over, nice. I've, I've been over to their house. I've had dinner with them, you know, multiple times. So it's like, I, I, I feel very much the same way on, on that particular arena. It's like every time I see, you know, I call the house and he answers the phone. I always, you know, I'm always like, feel like I have to explain who I am. And, and John's always just like, yeah, I know he are. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, is Sandy around? Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I wrote some comics for, for her comic imprint when, uh, when she first got it going. So, um, oh, cool. yeah. And then we did, we did some, uh, some print stuff. Uh, we had John do some signings and crap like that, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, there's a whole thing there anyway. Uh, Ben, thank you so much. Uh, it, was a real, it was a real pleasure to meet you. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, hopefully we'll, I, I wish, I wish, uh, one of us was, uh, was more of a cinematographer so we could, we could reciprocate and come on your show, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, maybe a season two of video palace if it ever happened. Oh my God. That would be awesome. 
Uh, oh, there's I, longer story. Anyway, well, I've got the I've got the book, and I've uh, I, I started oh, reading cool. I started reading the book, which is uh, is a really interesting idea to expand upon that universe in that in that way. So uh, I'm anxious that, to. That's all Mike Manello's genius. Uh, Mike Manello, Nick Brachia. That that is their brainchild making that. But book. you got a story in it. I did get a story in it. That was very nice. I uh, let me know what you think of the story when you read it, even if you hate it. I'd like to know. I, I certainly will. I'm, I, I literally, I'm, I'm just barely past the, uh, the, the Leonard Wills introduction uh, part. No, so we got, I mean, there's some really amazing people who wrote in that. I was excited that we got like John skip to write in it. And, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, there, there, some of the uh, Al going back is, a, is an amazing writer. There's some really uh, strong uh, genre voices in there. So I'm, I'm glad I'm, I, I'm honored to even be an afterthought in the group of, of the other writers on that. <laughs> Awesome. Again, thanks so much for your time and My great pleasure. to meet you. And uh, we'll talk again soon. And, uh, right. you know, we'll, we'll find some other movies that, uh, that you probably, you know, like, I, and want to talk I could about. do this every, every week and come up with two other movies. I mean, like it wouldn't be hard. No, please great. come back. Uh, every, every, every uh, time please. I need somebody, I'll, I'll be on the email to you to say, Hey, I got an opening. You want to come on? I'll do it. I love, right. I love, I love having guys. I can, I can reach out to do that. <laughs> I'll, thanks I'll a lot, Ben. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye. Good night, Ben. Bye. Good night, Ben. Thanks to Fesleyan Music. Please check out our website at sentimentalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss on our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Sentimental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at sentimentalpod.com. Also, you can always follow us on all major social media accounts at sentimentalpod. For Asan Godwin, Lathan Conger III, Ben Rock, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and naked mole rat wrangler, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.